Hello and welcome to the Flourishing Teacher Podcast. I am your host, Paige Tan, a life and mindset coach for teachers and a dedicated high school teacher too. As a coach, I help and support teachers to understand and shift their mindsets to avoid burnout, all while achieving balance and learning how to truly love themselves. After facing burnout five years into my teaching career, I embarked on my journey of self-discovery and consciously chose to see myself as a human being first and a teacher second. Living a mindful and balanced life is absolutely possible for us, despite what the statistics say. So, are you ready to ditch the burnout and start living your life in abundance and flow? And more importantly, are you ready to flourish? Hello everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the Flourishing Teacher Podcast. Boy, this episode is exciting. It is the first episode where I've got a guest interview going and I cannot wait to share this one with you. I had so much fun interviewing my friend Jessica Mason on this first interview and she has shared so many golden nuggets that I hope will be useful to all of you who are listening. So to give you a little bit of an introduction to who Jess is, Jessica Mason is a wellness coach for teachers on a mission to support educators to live more mindful, calm and balanced lives. With over eight years of experience as a classroom teacher, Jess understands the burnout, exhaustion and self-doubt that is commonplace in the education industry. But by deep diving into personal development work, mindfulness practices and radical self-awareness, she has successfully revolutionized her life and now she supports others to do the same. She hosts in-person workshops, coaches clients on a one-on-one capacity and runs an online membership designed to guide teachers to ditch the burnout and truly thrive. Jess has a bachelor's degree in primary education, has studied mindfulness in education, gained her coaching qualification through the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, and has also worked for Edith Cowan University as a professional placement supervisor. She lives on Wajak Noongar country in Perth, Western Australia with her husband and spends her days championing teacher well-being and guzzling green tea like it's going out of fashion. I had so much fun having this chat with Jess and she shares about her own experiences with her own well-being journey and even drops a Harry Potter reference in there for those of you who are Harry Potter fans out there. So please enjoy this episode and as usual, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already so you get the latest updates and also to share this with all your superhero teacher friends out there. Here we go. Hello Jess, welcome to the Flourishing Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for having me Paige, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Well, as I mentioned, thank you for being the very first guest that I've got on the podcast. It is so exciting just to have, I guess, the perspective of other teachers in the industry itself to share their own experiences and their own stories with all the other teachers out there. Because I think it's such an important thing to just connect with others in the same field. 
So we will start off today with this interview, I guess, just with you beginning to tell us a little bit about your own teaching journey and your own teaching career. Okay, well, let's dive in. So I have now been teaching for eight years. So I went straight from high school, straight to university, uh, and then straight into teaching from there. But I would say in my final year of university, things started to get a little bit um, stressful would be a mild word to describe (laughs) what I was feeling at the time. I'd never really been an anxious person. I'd never really been a stressed person. I kind of just got through things. I might have worried about it, but, you know, I supported myself. And then in my final year of university, it kind of all came crashing down on me. I started experiencing anxiety, having panic attacks um, during one of my final placements. And, you know, it was it was very intense and very scary, as you can imagine, for somebody who hasn't ever felt that and didn't know what was going on. Um, and that continued on and off through my final year and into my first couple of years of teaching. So I worked at a couple of schools in my first few years and especially then going into working full time. I found that very difficult to manage my energy and also the pressure that I was placing on myself. A lot of it was self-imposed because I wanted to be perfect and support my students in the best way I could. And so, yeah, that anxiety was just ever present until I think I was maybe three or four years in and I'd been to see psychologists and, you know, medication and all that jazz. And I just got to a point where I was like, how do I keep going? Like, surely this can't be what it is forever. Like, I I can't do this this teaching gig forever if this is how I'm going to feel. But I also want to do it because I love it. So how can I love something that's making me feel so, you know, anxious and, you know, apprehensive of what's going to happen? And yeah, that's when it was so interesting. Actually, I had the thought of something's got to give, like something has to change, but I didn't know what it was. And a few days later, I had lunch with a friend at the time and she was, she bought me this book and it was a personal development book. And she goes, I don't know what this is about. I don't know what it is, but I feel like you need this. I was like, oh, okay, no worries. Thanks so much. You know, took it home it was on my bedside table for a few days and then I was like oh you know I'll read this book like it looks pretty good and it was like my world just shifted overnight because I'd never been introduced to concepts of you know I'd heard about mindfulness I'd heard about self-love I'd kind of heard about these things but I'd never really believed that they could you know cause radical change and so Yes, I was hooked. I was pretty obsessed from that point and things started shifting and I, it's like I took control of how I was showing up from then on. And that's not to say that I haven't experienced anxiety or panic attacks or anything since, um, but it's like I have this baseline now of how I can support myself moving forward and knowing that I have the capacity to support myself and not outsourcing that to other people or waiting for the system to change so that I can feel better. So in a nutshell, that is my roller coaster of a journey. 
with teaching. <laughs> what a story. What a story. And I love there's so much to unpack in that as well. And well, I love how you mentioned that you actually sought help when you felt like you needed it. And I think that's yeah. one thing that we I think I can speak for most teachers that I know at least that when we face challenges or when we find that we are in a difficult situation, we find it really hard to just go, I actually need help and actually seek that help. So what was it that, I guess, what was that turning point that make you take that step? Uh, it's really interesting because I'm sort of the opposite in that way in that there was no hesitation. You know, I teach primary and we always say, you know, if our kids come up to us and say, this happened on the playground six weeks ago and we're like, oh, you know, I wish you'd told me sooner so that I could have helped you, I kind of took that on board and I never really felt any shame in I need to speak to someone to help me. It was like, you know, if I broke my leg, I would go to the doctors. So my mind feels like it needs support and so I'm going to go to a doctor for the mind, you know? Mm. Um, so that was, that was an easy decision to make. And I think the trickier one, and I, I bring this up because I know a lot of teachers are on medication to support themselves for anxiety. Yeah. And that's not something that I, you know, I'm not anti, I'm not pro, I guess I am more pro, but I see it as a choice in that mm. that helped me to then build strategies to support myself. I needed that to ground me so that I could actually start implementing those strategies. And then when I was ready, I didn't need the medication anymore. Mm. So, you know, we can talk about holistic healing and we can talk about, you know, just love yourself or self-care and all of these things are amazing. And of course, as a coach, I advocate for those things but it's about knowing what we need in any given moment. And at that time, that's what I needed. I, I had to do that in order to support myself. Whereas at the moment, I don't need those things to mm. support me. No, I love that. And I love how you mentioned you pretty much were practicing what you preached with your kids in yeah, <laughs> reaching out and seeking out that help. That is so important day to day as well. So you mentioned, of course, well, you are a coach for teachers and you work with lots of teachers um, through their own well-being journey as well. So what in your line of work or in the te with the teachers that you've worked with, what are the biggest challenges that tend to come up? Mm. Do you know what's so funny? I was thinking about this the other day and confidence is a massive one and half the time it's not it's not this confidence we think of you know speaking on stages and doing all these sorts of things because as teachers we basically public speak for a living totally. and we present we present workshops six hours a day so that's not the issue you know teachers have got that down pat yeah. it's this confidence to speak up to be who they are authentically that's a massive one that comes through um another big one and I often talk about, you know, there are challenges we face that are self-imposed, thinking we're not good enough, we're not capable enough, and then there are challenges we face that are outward and that come from the system that we're in. Yeah. So generally I have teachers coming to me, one, because they want to support themselves inwardly and there's maybe not some 
not very nice uh, self-talk going on and they're Mm. putting themselves down. And then also uh, to support themselves in terms of the overwhelm and the workload that is ever increasing. And both of them are so valid, um, but both of them need different support, you know, because they're coming from different places. So generally those are the two things like, uh inwardly I'm not being very nice to myself and I'd like support to curb that and then also um I feel beaten down by this system that I also love I love being a part of and maybe I'm being given too many like administrative things that actually aren't impacting my students at all and I just want to get back to making it making a difference and making an impact so I'd say those are the two main ones Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting that you've actually looked at it from both the inward and the outward because I think so many conversations in the teaching world tend to be outward in speaking about how big the workload is and how it's ever increasing, like you've mentioned. And so often that inward, I guess, reflection tends to put on the side burner, to be put on the side burner a little bit. Um, so yeah, I love that the work that you do with teachers, of course, tap into that, that area as well, because it's, it's probably more important. That conversation is probably more important to have than, um, yeah, the outward stuff. It's almost like sometimes as teachers, we don't realize we're doing it, but we're waiting for somebody else to change until we can feel good. Like I will feel good when my principal principal demands less of me or I will feel happy when my department decides that we're not giving this much homework or whatever it is um, or when they extend the um, assessment dates for this or, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blanks. And it's like we outsource our power to other people mm. in, and thinking someone else has the answer for, you know, what's going to make us feel good and we don't realise we're doing it. And then we wonder why we don't feel good. Yeah. And, and sometimes somebody else, somebody else's decisions in education, they, they do impact us and they will impact us. And that's so valid. But then sometimes we're giving our power away when, you know, maybe it's time to turn the tables and see, how, can I feel good now? That is so true. So true. And yeah, moral of the story at the end of the day, I think it's, it's always, it always comes back to reflecting on ourselves and seeing what we can change and what we can, we actually have control over um, mm. and outsourcing or putting the control on others. Like that takes a toll on us at the end of the day, big time, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, well, while we're on this um, bandwagon, I guess my next question to you is, so I know that wellness is a huge part of your day-to-day life right now. And you've mentioned as well that you put, um, you put it at the forefront of your life, of course. So can you share with our listeners here, I guess some of your top strategies that you personally use to put your own well-being first? Mm. Um, this is so interesting and I've actually been reflecting on this lately because it does change a lot and it changed with what it changes with what I need in a you know any given season and what's so funny is when I started doing this personal development work I instantly 
you're going to find this hilarious. It's such a teach thing to do. I made like an eight week course for teachers at my school and I made it a club every <laughs> week and I made booklets for them. This was within, you know, a couple of months. I was like, come and learn what I'm learning. You know, if you just do this, you will, you'll feel good. Yeah, such a teacher move. Like, I know it is, isn't it? And I, I was kind of like telling them like, I've done this. And if you just do this, mm. you'll feel good. Like I had a secret and my intention was good. My intention was to help people because I felt good and I wanted my colleagues to feel good. But now I realize, you know, having worked as a coach for a few years, that it's so individual. And so sometimes people come to me and it's like they want an answer from me. Mm. Like if you just, just tell me, just tell me the thing that you do to feel calm and then I'll feel calm. And I'm like, it's not, it's not that simple. Like we, we all have different pressures and obligations. And so what I've really found that it comes back to is some sort of understanding of our capacity on any given day. And capacity is my you know, big word at the moment. So when I wake up in the morning, asking myself the question, like, what do I have the capacity for right now? And maybe I have the capacity to roll out my yoga mat and yeah. do some stretches and move my body. Maybe I don't. And so, you know, I don't want to be prescriptive in mm. that just do this morning routine bit by bit, then you will feel X, Y, Z. And just do this when you get home and just map out your school day like this. Um, but really it, it looks so different. But some of the things that are pretty consistent for me is carving out time in the morning and then moving with what I feel I have the capacity to move with, but making sure I have time on my own um, mm. to, you know, to get reflective, to see what's coming up for me, to feel what I need to feel. Um, and, you know, maybe that looks like journaling. Maybe that looks like meditating. Maybe that looks like crying. Like it could be anything um, as long as I'm just giving myself that space and yeah. not creating stories about it, um, as well as, some sort some sort of mindfulness and I say this because everyone has a different you know definition of, of what mindfulness yeah. is exactly um but some during the day especially a school day I don't work full-time anymore but I do do relief um is that yeah I'm tuning into my senses I'm really bringing myself back to the present moment and it sounds so simple but it, it's like time expands and it's mm. like you feel connected again and you're not just moving in that, you know, I've got this one task to do and then I've got this next task to do and it's so single focused. It's like expanding and creating that perspective. Um, so, yeah, the morning, mindfulness, um, and then just generally having that, ref it's like that reflective time and this doesn't mean I'm having to sit there and reflect and it's you know yeah. a, a proper practice but it's this honesty piece with myself of how am I feeling right now like do I need to move through some things do I need to process some things do I need to ask for help but so often you know teachers can be very all or nothing mm -hmm. like I need to go to the gym and work out but I only have half an hour. Oh, well, I better do nothing. Like I better just pay it off yes, rather than, so you know, true. yeah, what do I have the capacity to do with the time that I have? And that's enough. 
like let I'll just allow that to be enough um so yeah I think all of those things are kind of the most self-compassionate way that I've seen to support myself because I've gone through the rigidness I've gone through the when I get home every day I sit down and I meditate for 20 minutes and then I do a gratitude like I've done that and yes it's helpful but then that can also make you feel (laughs) a certain way and you know resentment towards that and we know what it looks like to tell teachers to add something to their to-do list like Mm. they don't want to hear it so yeah just moving with what comes up in any given moment is my well-being practice I love that and it's such a powerful reminder I think to to all teachers who are listening to this here as well to to realize that living our lives outside of school like we don't live by a school bell outside of school (laughs) and it doesn't need to be that structured and that rigid it's yeah it's just it just works so much better when you give yourself that permission to flow with um with life at the end of the day so such a powerful reminder thank you for that and I guess that leads me as well to the next question where I know that you've started to work this year with um, closely with pre-service teachers who are stepping into the teaching industry. And this mm-hmm. is such a difficult time to be beginning their teaching career. I can't even imagine how hard it would be trying to manage being in uni and, and looking at the state of what teaching is at the moment. So are there any common themes that you have seen in the pre-service teachers that you work with and what advice have you had for them? Good question. Um, It was very interesting. Last time I worked with eight pre-service teachers who were all on their final placement who, I mean, being in Perth in Western Australia, lockdowns haven't affected us as much but they had a mini lockdown during their placement Mm. they had one at the start and they had one in the middle um and then there's always the fear of it plus you know having the final placement plus there's also um this qtpa thing that didn't exist before i know all the pre-service teachers will be like yes we know what you're talking about but that didn't exist when i'm sure when you trained when i trained you just finished your final placement and then you Yay, you're finished. That's right, you're done. <laughs> Yay. Out into um, the world. Exactly. And so I really did, did feel for them. Um, one, a couple of interesting things. For some of them, some of the themes I saw was this perfectionism of having to get it right. Mm. I have to get it right straight away um, because I, I want this particular grade. So it has to be perfect because this grade is everything. Um, so it's that internal pressure. On themselves even if their mentor was very supportive or their family were really supportive it was this internal pressure that were placing on themselves or this overwhelm of oh my gosh I'm struggling now and if I get this job it's just going to continue like mm-hmm. can I do this this fear of can I keep this up um and so what I was often saying to them is you know, it it can be a lot. So I'm not invalidating, especially when you're on your final placement and you're doing a lot of things for the first time. Absolutely. It feels like a lot and it takes a lot of your energy. Yes, that's valid. 
but also you're having to navigate a mentor teacher's energy and their space. You're coming into their space. Um, You're having to navigate um, maybe philosophies in a school that you don't agree with. Yeah. And you're having to kind of go against your own integrity, even though you wouldn't want to teach that way when you graduate. Um, So there's a lot of factors that are that deeply affect your energy and sometimes just acknowledging that and being like yeah I'm contending with a lot so no wonder I feel this way rather than just why can't I cope and thinking that there's something wrong with you when you're just dealing with a lot and any human in your position might feel a bit overwhelmed by that like that's an okay feeling to have Mm. um and then I find a lot of not just pre-service teachers, but teachers who are experienced, you know, uh, come up against comparison. So a lot of the pre-service teachers would be comparing themselves to their mentor. When their mentor has been teaching for 25 plus years, has seen it all, has been at this school for over a decade and knows the systems inside and out, has worked with these families, all the siblings, you know, that they understand what's going on and you're experiencing it for the first time. And so a lot of the time it's coming back to the question of if, if a friend was in your position and they came to you and they said, I'm overwhelmed um, and it's all a bit much and I'm a bit stressed uh, and I don't think I'm good enough or um, it's not perfect so it, it's not enough or all of these things, would you, would you agree with them? You know, would you mm. say, yeah, well, obviously this isn't for you then, you know, would you tell them, yeah, well, you better give up now because <laughs> yeah. you're not. <laughs> you would never say that to not someone. Not at all. No way. So it's kind of, you know, having that perspective sometimes. And also a lot of them said they really appreciated when I would sit down and give them feedback on their lessons. Yeah. Of course we would talk about areas for improvement, but I spent a lot of time on what went well mm. because it's very common for pre-service teachers or really anyone who's being observed to narrow in on what did not go well. Yeah. And then what do I need to do better? <laughs> exactly. They're yep. waiting for you to then say, you know, validate that. Um, but we spent a lot of time on the strengths and they'd come up being like, oh, actually that went way better than I thought. So it's, you know, giving yourself credit as well. So I was trying to help them build up that practice before they became teachers so that that's just a normal thing to celebrate yourself for your wins. Um, even if a few things went wrong, like that's okay. That happens to everyone. Mm. That happens to me. That ha- you know, oh, happens, happens on a people. daily basis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like things happen and you're like, what just went down? Like yeah. I don't even, I'm not equipped. Like I didn't learn this at uni. Um, so, yeah, that, that celebra- celebration piece was huge for sure. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. And yeah, it's just such a, a little shift in perspective at the end of the day that makes such a huge difference. And I am so glad that those pre-service teachers have got the support from someone like you. I think it's so needed, um, especially in building that confidence up, as you mentioned right at the start, which tends to be one of the common challenges. Oh, that's so good to hear. So on the topic of common challenges that pre-service teachers tend to face, so now I'm going to move on to my favourite conversation to have about teacher burnout, um, which is so prevalent. And 
we don't talk about it enough. I think we there's so much focus on student well-being within a school, but so often teacher well-being is not something that even crosses many people's minds. So in your work and your experiences, both a teacher and as a coach, what tips have you got both short-term and long-term for teachers who are feeling burned out? Good question. Um, And it's so funny because I think some teachers, sometimes they don't even realise that they're burnt out. Mm. They don't realise because it's it's normal and their colleagues are also experiencing it. Um, So I loved your episode, one of your most recent episodes on actually going through what that is and what that might look like Mm. um, because it can seem such just a normal way that teachers show up. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So one of the first things that I always speak about is really getting clear on, do you actually believe that you can thrive, you can flourish as a teacher? Do you actually believe that? Because if you don't, and if you're looking around at the teachers around you and all of them are complaining in the staff room and you've Mm. seen experienced teachers and they say, this is the way it always is, and you've adopted those beliefs, if you don't think it's possible, you're not going to take action to help you to shift anything. You're just going to keep acting from those beliefs because you don't actually think that it's something that you can accomplish. So, you know, first of all, just answering that question for yourself and being really honest. And then choosing again with your beliefs. Mm. So if you have the belief, you know, this is just what teaching is, all teachers are overwhelmed, Um, You thriving isn't possible as a teacher, maybe you like to consider why, Um, but I don't often dwell on the why too much because it's almost then like we look for evidence as to why it's not possible, but we kind of want to do the opposite. We want to look for evidence. We want to look for reference points. We want to look for people who are expanders who can help us believe that it is possible and to shoot those things. So that would be the first one. Uh, And choosing, again, could look like writing out uh, new beliefs and that we don't have to jump straight to I'm a thriving teacher or I feel well every day or I feel calm, you know, because that, you know, you might not believe that that's possible and so... And it's like zero to 100 in a sense. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe it's um, I'm becoming more calm each day, Mm. something like that, or um, I'm taking steps to thrive because then that's more, it's easier for your brain to believe that, that you're working towards it. And then one day it will get to a point where you're like, oh, like it, it doesn't fit anymore to feel like I'm working towards it because it feels more like a new normal. Yeah. So you'll know when that, that affirmation or that new belief has kind of run its course. Um, but just starting small with that and not jumping to like, yeah, those big affirmations that we can see that they don't really fit anyway. Yeah. And so then they just kind of fall apart. Um, so yeah, beliefs is the first one. And then it's, it's funny, I just did a four-week block of relief work um, at mm. a school and it was so interesting to go back into because I've, you know, worked full-time for years and so, of course, I knew that I could do it. Um, but this year I haven't done it so much and it was just so interesting to watch how I was reacting to everybody's energies and to just really take stock of how many people I was having to interact with in a day Mm. and 
like how many people were competing for me. And, and this isn't even a bad thing. It's just like, you know, if you've got 30 students in a class and that's primary teachers, the same 30, you know, high school yeah. teachers are so different because you're seeing multiple, multiple classes of teachers plus start, uh, classes of students, yeah. plus staff, plus maybe parents, plus admin, like there's so many people um, that are going to affect your energy. And so practicing what I've heard mentioned as energy hygiene is so important because otherwise we're just taking it all on and believing that it's ours when really it may have nothing to do with us whatsoever. So a little practice I like to do sometimes when I feel like I've taken on everyone else's stuff and I'm thinking about their stuff and I'm you know worried about their stuff is after school just to lie down, take some deep breaths, feel really mm-hmm. grounded and imagine my energy coming back to me as like balls of light and I think of like golden light and I don't think about, you know, the specific student that it's coming from or the conversations mm. or whatever. I just, it's like this is so specific, but I'm going to make a Harry Potter reference. You know, Do it. in the final, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, in the final movie where yep. Voldemort and his crew are attacking the school. Yep. And all of the teachers have made that dome around the school for protection. Yes. And all of the ones are kind of, you know, they emit the light and they go and they're kind of um, penetrating that. Obviously, that's a bad thing <laughs> that's happening. And I try to attack. <laughs> but I kind of envision my energy coming back to me like those balls of light. Yeah. Like coming back to me and then filling me up from like my toes through my feet slowly all the way up my body. And then by the end, my like body's buzzing and I feel my cells oh. coming alive again. And it's like I envision my energy spilling back up for the rest of the day rather than just like, oh, that was heavy. Better go watch Netflix and have a yeah. wine, which is not a bad thing. I love that. Um, but maybe just fill myself back up and then see how I feel and what I have the capacity for from there. So, yeah, beliefs, energy, hygiene. And then I would also, the last one I'd say is, finding ways to flow with different cycles because there's so much going on as teachers uh, when this airs will be in, you know, in Australia we're in term three and that's a notorious term for all of the stuff, like all of the sports carnivals and all of the incursions and excursions. You know, that's, that's one where we, it's fun. But it's so busy. Yeah, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And so um, we have this pressure to be on. Well, I've, ju- I've got to be on because look how much I've got to do mm. and I've got to get it done. And so every day there's this pressure to show up with the same amount of energy, but that's not how people are wired. Mm. Nobody's wired like that. We see our kids go downhill energy-wise after lunch every day. Like 100%. that's what because <laughs> we can't keep going. So flowing in cycles it can look different for everyone. It may mean that you um, know that your energy, you have more energy in the morning. Mm. And so if you have, I know in WA we call it dot time, uh, when your students are at specialist lessons or when you have time for prep and all of that, um, maybe in your dot time that's when you expend a lot of energy and you, you know, I'm going to, this is sacred and I'm going to get things done. Yeah. And then I'm going to ease back a little bit, you know, where I can. Or 
you know, maybe it's for people that have a menstrual cycle mm. or those with a uterus, it's like we have this these cycles anyway that our body Absolutely. is doing. And so I know I have a period of about a week and a half where I have so much energy and it's like I'm Wonder Woman and I'm like I'm going to do all of that stuff that's just at the bottom of my to-do list that's not that important mm. and I call it like the fluff, like that super cool bulletin board that I saw on Instagram that's really cute but I don't need it but yeah. I'm going to do it now because I have the energy mm. and then when I don't, I'm not doing any of that extra stuff. I'm doing just what's needed and then I'm resting because I know that my energy will peak again. Yeah. So those, the, I think those three things have really, the things that not many people talk about because we all no. see the infographics on Instagram that's like take a bath, drink more water, and all that's of those right. things are great, but they're very short-term, aren't they? Correct. They're very like, that'll make me feel good in It's so in the time. moment, yeah. Yeah, whereas these are things that you've really got to, you know, sink your teeth into and do for a little while to mm. feel the benefits of them. So, yeah, yeah, beliefs, energy hygiene, and then flowing in cycles and taking the pressure off at different points would be my top tips. Oh, I love that. Such good tips as well. I love that energy hygiene tip. I'm going <laughs> to practice that myself now because, yeah, as you said, there's so much energy that we deal with day to day and we don't even realise how many interactions we have as a teacher mm -hmm. daily and especially now like I can speak for myself being in lockdown and teaching remotely which I'm sure many teachers can um, understand this as well that teaching online just takes it out of you tenfold from compared to it being face-to-face -face. and just carving out that time to I guess even separate your work day and your personal day it's so important, even if it's just two minutes of breathing and visualising those balls of light, like you mentioned before. Um, now, such a helpful tip. I am definitely going to try implementing that um, in the coming days. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. I'm sure they are so going to be so useful and so helpful for people who are listening. My so, pleasure. Awesome. So as we round up, this interview again I just wanted to thank you for being here but I've got one last question for you to finish up here with us so what does being a flourishing teacher mean to you isn't it funny that so often we know what we don't want mm. like we know that we don't want to be a burnt out teacher we don't we know that we don't want to be a tired teacher or yes. a you know cynical teacher but then we we so, it's not often that we actually think about what, what we do want. Mm. And so I love this question because it's like, oh, what would it mean to be, you know, on the other side of that burnout and be yeah. flourishing? So I think a lot of us would immediately think like feeling well and feeling happy and, you know, consistently good. Mm. But to me, when I'm flourishing, I'm feeling what comes up. I'm not suppressing I'm not just bypassing it. I'm not pushing it down because this isn't a good time and I'll just feel it in two weeks, you know, when it's school holidays or whatever yeah. it is. Um, feeling what comes up and giving space for that so that it can just move through and 
you know, it doesn't need to be a thing. I don't need mm-hmm. to create a story out of it. Um, I feel flourishing when I'm tending to myself and my needs. And that looks so different to every teacher. Yeah. But, you know, if I need to self-soothe or if I need to take space or if I need to talk to a friend, I feel flourishing when I'm yeah, tending to myself. And then the last thing would be that I'm factoring in having fun yes. and laughing because when we, I think sometimes we, we forget just how much of an impact like having a laugh or having a joke, you know, how much totally. impact that can have, like putting on a comedy special on Netflix or listening to a hilarious podcast or things like that. Like it doesn't have to be this, you know, whoop de do um, mm. self-care practice where you've got your crystals and your bath and your oracle That's right. <laughs> I love those things. I'm all about those things. Yeah. But can but we just doesn't always them, have to be. Yeah, like tell mm. some silly jokes and then we just feel different physiologically and then that's all it has to be. So, yeah, I, I would say a flourishing teacher is also one that prioritises fun as yes. well. So good, so good. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jess, for being here with us. And it's been such a pleasure having this chat. And of course, so many golden nuggets in there for teachers out there who are listening to this. So before we finish up and round up, where can we find you on the socials? All right. Well, I love Instagram, like most teachers do. We love the teachergram. Um, so my Instagram handle is jessica.mason underscore underscore. And then my website is jessicademunk.com. So it's still my maiden name. I got married about six months ago and I'm still trying to figure out the behind the scenes tech of how you change a website URL. Um, so <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is my website. So they're both different, but those are the two places that I love to hang out online. That's great. And I'll be sure to link those links in the show notes as well. But thank you, Jess, for being here. It's been such an honour. Oh, my pleasure, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.